Today we are reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 13 through 35. This is God's word. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? They said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So they went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened up to us the scriptures, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were gathered with them together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Thanks, David. Well, this morning we're continuing a series that we started last week. Uh, if you weren't here with us last week, I can catch you up. We're uh, walking through a series called Can I Ask That? Uh, and if you have ever sat in church before and wanted to know if you could just raise your hand and ask that burning question, or maybe you were in a conversation with a Christian and you kind of had this question in the back of your mind, you weren't sure if you could bring it up because you weren't sure how it would turn the conversation or if, how they would respond to it. Or maybe you've had a question before in church and people kind of looked at you weird for asking it. The answer to that question is yes, you can ask that question. And over the course of this series, we are uh, addressing some of the questions that have been given to us, some of the questions that our neighbors or our friends have asked about Christianity and what it really means to know God through Jesus. Uh, some of these are really big questions, some of these are really practical questions, but the important thing is that you are allowed to ask questions. You know, we're not afraid of big questions. Because big questions lead us to the truth. They help us to understand what really is out there. 
and what it means to know God through Jesus. And so uh, your questions are welcome here. And we are walking through this series to say just that, to say we're going to take your questions and we're going to talk about those things this morning. This morning we're talking about uh, a question that everybody at some point or another has felt, and that's this question. Uh, Why is the Bible so hard to understand? I put an Instagram poll out this week about this question. 100% of people responded and said, yes, there's been a time in my life where I've read the Bible and I did not understand what I was reading. But the thing is, most of us at some point have had some kind of interaction with this book. Uh, Whether someone has given you a copy, uh, maybe at graduation or a wedding, maybe you've been at a hotel and you open it up and there was that Gideon Bible just waiting for you in the drawer. Uh, Maybe your aunt gave you one and it's kind of been sitting on the shelf for a while. Uh, Most of us have had some kind of interaction with this book called the Bible. Uh, But if you're like most people, you start the book on page one, because that's how you start books, right? So you read page one, and there's a story of creation. But by page three, there's a talking snake. And by page six, there are giants, and you might be really confused. What in the world is this book all about? And so this morning, we're going to talk about this question of why is the Bible so hard to understand? Why are there things in there that just don't make sense to me? And so I want to give you one really easy answer to this, and then we're going to talk about three points uh, to understand this question. The easy answer to why the Bible is so hard to understand is this question. Do you have a version that you can understand? Do you have a version that sounds like how you talk? See, unless you speak Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew, the Bible is translated uh, from those languages into English. And there are lots of good English translations available to you. Maybe if you're like me, you grew up reading the King James Version, uh, which sounds very formal. Uh, It was written or translated in the 1600s. It sounds like how people talk in the 1600s. And so unless you talk like that, I would say you should find a translation that sounds like how you talk. This morning in service, we read the English Standard Version. It's a really good translation, uh, a really good, they try to reflect the original writing really well, but it also sounds like generally how people talk. So it's really important to have a version that sounds like how you think and how you talk because there are good translations out there. If you don't have a version like that, we have free copies available at the Next Steps desk because we want you to have a version that you can understand. You could also download an app. There's an app called the Bible app. I have it on my phone. I use it every single day. You can get every translation available to man pretty much on that app. Uh, so you could do that as well. All right, so the first challenge, the first question is, uh, do you have a version that you can understand? That's a really important thing. But let's assume that you have a version that you can understand, right? There are still some things that are confusing, a lot of things that are confusing about the Bible. So this morning, I just have three points to help us think through the answer to this question, how we can think about this question really well. The first point is this, what the Bible is. Second, what the Bible says. And third, what the Bible wants. What the Bible is, what the Bible says, and what the Bible wants. So first, let's talk about what the Bible is. Uh, It's really important to think about your expectations of the Bible, right? Because your expectations of the book that you're reading shape your understanding of the Bible. Uh, For example, if I were to read, uh, open up a book, and I start reading about Jedi and lightsabers and the Millennium Falcon, and maybe there's even Baby Yoda in there. Uh, So it's a cute book, right? Uh, If I were to read that book and that was all in there, uh, but I thought I was reading a science textbook, I would be really confused, unless it's like a really futuristic science textbook. Right? I, but if I thought I was reading a science fiction book or maybe even a comic book, that would make sense to me. Right? That would make sense to uh, what I'm trying to read. In the same way, it's important to think about your expectations of what the Bible is. Most people have one of two expectations of what the Bible is. You either think the Bible is a self-help book or a textbook. 
It's either a self-help book or a textbook. And most people who approach the Bible like it's a self-help book, you're looking for like advice or wisdom or maybe even inspiration for, uh, for your life. And there are some parts of the Bible that will be really good for you. There's a whole book called Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. There's a book called Psalms. It's very inspiring and uplifting at times. But then there's a lot of weird stories. Uh, in fact, 60% of the Bible is just stories of people doing things. And it's not going to necessarily help you in your immediate question of how do I get advice or how do I get inspiration. And so you're going to be really confused if that's your expectation. But there's another group of people who approach the Bible like it's a textbook. Like it is there to help me have the right theology, the right understanding of God or the right understanding of the world. I just need bullet points from the Bible to help me understand and make sense of my world. But then there's a whole lot of stories and a whole lot of poetry and a whole lot of things that don't just condense into bullet points. And if that's really what the Bible is for, then why didn't God just give us the bullet points? Why not just give us kind of the condensed version? Why have all of these stories that are really confusing? So it's really important to think about your expectations of what the Bible is, because that will shape your experience of the Bible. So the best way I could explain the Bible, if I was talking to somebody who was not a Christian, had no understanding of the Bible, this is how I explain the Bible. It's a collection of writings telling a unified story of God and God's people. It's a collection of writings telling a unified story of God and God's people. You could almost think about it like it's a library. I know that's weird because it's one book, but it's actually a book of books. It's like a, a mini library of writings. If you were to go downtown to the main branch of the library, you could find a book on everything. But this is a specific library, a specific library that has been arranged with the writings and the things that we need to know to understand this story. And so if you were to think about it like this kind of mini library, you could take one book off the shelf and open it up, and it would be full of laws. It would tell you about the legal life of the people of God. It would tell you about the, the rules and regulations about how they were supposed to live. So you could put that back on the shelf. You could take another book off the shelf, and it would be full of poetry and even song lyrics that are telling you about the, the artistic life of the people, the, the lyrics that people sang in that time. You could take another book off the shelf and be full of stories of kings and kingdoms, almost like some scenes like Game of Thrones, and you'd be, okay, what is this all about? You could put that back on the shelf. There'd be a lot of different kinds of things that you would be reading. But the thing is that this library is specific to this story, this one unified story. And as people have read this library and understood this library and made this library the center of their lives, what they've come to understand is that this library is more than just a collection of writings. In fact, 2 Peter 1 tells us this. Peter was the, the head of the church, the first church after Jesus ascended. And in 2 Peter 1, Peter writes this about the Bible. He says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy is ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is what Christians mean sometimes. You'll hear them say the Bible is inspired. This is what they mean by that, is that there's actually a human author who wrote the Bible, and yet God is also writing the story at the same time. That God has curated this library, or edited this library, or helped write this library so that it tells the story that he wants to be told. Now, we could say then that the Bible has two natures. It's a human book, and also it's a book written by God. It's a human book and also a book written by God. And I think it's often in one of these two things that we get most confused. We focus on one to the neglect 
of the other. For example, I worked with college students for several years, and they came from a context that had a very high view of the Bible. It said the Bible is God's word. They even would hear, the Bible says it, so that settles it. But then they would go to college, and they would hear about the human history of the Bible, the human authors of the Bible, and it would cause a bit of a crisis of faith because they had only ever heard that it was God's word. They hadn't actually heard the human history of the Bible, and so they were kind of in this space where I'm not sure what I believe anymore. But the flip side of that is also true. If you approach the Bible as if it's only a human book, as if it's only a book in history written by people, uh, but you don't look for or are open to the possibility that God is speaking through the Bible, you're not reading the Bible as the Bible understands itself. The Bible understands itself to be a book written by God, inspired by, by God, telling this story about God and God's people. And so it's often in our understanding of this human and divine book that we get really confused. And it's often in this place that we use the Bible poorly. If we try to pull out a few verses and say, well, this is what the Bible says about fill in the blank. This is what biblical fill in the blank is. We're just picking and choosing pieces from the story. We're not using the story as God wants us to use the story, as the Bible understands itself to be. You see, uh, that's kind of confusing, but I want to give you a picture to understand this. It's kind of like a 3D movie. If you've ever been to a 3D movie, I'm not sure they're worth the money, uh, but 3D movies uh, invite you into an immersive experience. And the way that a 3D movie is filmed is, is there's two cameras just slightly off from each other. And those cameras are filming the exact same event, the exact same actors, the exact same setting, just from slightly different angles. And then they project those two images on the screen and it ends up looking something like this. Uh, this is a screenshot from the movie Avatar that comes up there. Uh, so you can tell what's happening there. Right? You can see the characters, right? you can see the setting, you can see uh, and hear what's going on, but it's kind of blurry. It's kind of unclear. And if you were to watch the entire movie that way, it would give you a headache. You see, it's, uh, this is kind of a picture of what the Bible is. It's this human story and this story that God is also telling from the same story, the same events, but from a slightly different angle. And if we only focus on that, it will be really confusing, just like watching a 3D movie without 3D glasses. And so what we need is our pair of 3D glasses, a pair of 3D glasses to wear when you're reading the Bible. And this is my second point, what the Bible says. If the Bible is this collection of writings telling a unified story of God and God's people, then we need the right set of glasses to understand and experience the Bible. And this is the story that David read this morning. It's a really interesting story. The, the writer of Luke, Luke, he was a doctor. He was a, very, he was a man of science. He was a man of understanding. And he writes this story in Luke chapter 24. It comes right after Jesus is raised from the dead. There are two disciples who are walking along a road. And they are really confused. These would have been guys who spent a lot of time with Jesus. They would have understood the Bible. And yet there's things that they don't understand about it. And so Luke tells us that Jesus comes up alongside these two guys and they don't recognize him. And Jesus starts asking them questions, why they're so upset, why they're so burdened, why they're so overwhelmed. And then in Luke 24, verse 27, Jesus says this, or he does this. He says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he leads them on this Bible study. He goes back to Moses. Moses would have been the first five books of the Bible. And then he goes to the prophets. That would have been the rest of the Old Testament. He walks through the entire Old Testament and says, here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to understand about me. But then something interesting happens. 
Luke tells us that Jesus then eats dinner with these guys. These guys still don't recognize Jesus. They still don't understand who he is until he breaks bread. And in that moment, their eyes are opened. In that moment, they can see. In that moment, they have 3D glasses. What is it that they saw? You see, the, the, same, the night before Jesus was to be betrayed, he broke bread. And he said, this is my body that's going to be given for you. He said, this is a cup that represents my blood that's going to be poured out. And so when they're sitting with Jesus a few days later and he breaks bread, they see Jesus for who he really is. They see what he was doing and what God was accomplishing for him, and it changes their sight forever. They now have 3D glasses on. So what is it that they understand, and what do they now know that the Bible says? You see, what they see now is this, is that the Bible is telling this story, that God is renewing all things through Jesus. God is renewing all things through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection. They now understand that and believe that, and they even say, we're not our hearts burning within us. This is what that story was all about. You see, what the Bible says is this, is that God is renewing all things through Jesus. And Jesus says that everything in the Bible points to him. Everything in the Bible is about him. He is the 3D glasses that we need to read the Bible and to understand the Bible. If I were to go a little bit deeper, a little bit nerdier into this, uh, one of the things that we know about Jesus is that Jesus is fully human and fully God. And so if we have a book that is both human and divine, Jesus is fully human and fully God, the one that we need to read the Bible through. And when you have your Jesus glasses on in the Bible, the Bible will start to come alive. It will start to make sense to you. See, everything in the Bible is about Jesus. When you're reading the Old Testament law, it is showing us our need for Jesus. When you're reading the the Psalms and these prayers and these cries for God to work, Jesus is the answer to those prayers. When you're reading the books about kings and kingdoms and it's crazy and there's lots of violence, we are seeing Jesus as the king that we need, not the earthly kings that we have. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And so when you read the Bible to make sense of the Bible, to understand the Bible, you have to have your Jesus classes on. This is why in our kids' classes, uh, when they come back in a couple weeks, our kids read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, This is all about how every story, it says, whispers his name. This is a really great book to orient yourself to this. So parents, if you have kids at home, pick this up. If you don't have kids at home, pick this up and read it. You know you're allowed to read kids' books. There's no rule against that. This is a great orientation to this idea that the whole Bible is about Jesus. And so when you read the Bible with Jesus' glasses on, understanding what God is doing, it will show you what God is saying. This is the only way to understand the Bible in a way that will come alive, in a way that will show us what God has done through Jesus. So if this is what the Bible says, that God is renewing all things through Jesus, then what does the Bible want? What does the Bible want? That might sound like a weird question. How can a book have a will? How can a book want something? I want you to realize the Bible is not an objective observer, like reporting the news. The Bible is making an argument. The Bible is making a persuasive argument to you. It wants you to join the story. The Bible wants you to join the story. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews uh, writes it this way, or describes the Bible in this way. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
What that's saying is that when you read the Bible, the Bible wants to draw you in to the story. And as it draws you into the story, as you read uh, stories of people who are failing, as you read stories of, of kings and kingdoms and psalms and all these things, it's going to draw you into the story. And as it does that, it's going to draw out what's really going on in your heart. It's going to draw out what's really going on in your head. Behind all the pretending, behind all the pretense, the Bible's going to draw you in and then show you your need for Jesus. Because that is what the Bible wants, is for you to join the story of God renewing all things through Jesus. And so when you open the Bible, the Bible is also opening you, inviting you to, to be challenged and changed by the story. So what does it take to enter into that story, to make that story your own story? I just have two things that you can do, two things that you can do. The first thing is this, put the glasses on, put the glasses on. See, what I mean by that is this, is the Bible wants you to see and believe in Jesus. This is the whole story that the Bible is telling about how God is renewing all things through him. And so to truly understand the Bible requires putting on the glasses, which means this, that if the Bible is all about Jesus, it means making Jesus the center of your story too. It means understanding who he is and what he's done for you. This is why the Bible is the clearest when it comes to Jesus. There are four clear stories about who Jesus is. There are uh, letters about who Jesus is and what he has done because the Bible wants you to put on the Jesus glasses, to see and believe in who he is. And when you do, when you do, the Bible will come alive. It's like putting on those 3D glasses and now the movie is happening around you. That's what happens when you see and believe in who Jesus is. You see, this is why we're here as a church. We're here as a church to help you understand what it means to put on the glasses. To understand what God is doing in this story and how that story is coming for you. How that story is, is wanting to invite you into that story as well. And this is why we're not afraid of your questions. Because we know that questions help us understand the story, understand what God is doing through Jesus. So first and foremost, put on the glasses. In fact, the Bible would tell us that until you put on the glasses, until you trust in Jesus, there are going to be things in the Bible that don't make sense. But once you put on the glasses, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit, the same one who inspired the Bible, is available to you, is within you, who helps you understand the Bible in a new way. So first, put on the glasses. But the second thing is this, keep the glasses on. Keep the glasses on. What I mean by that is this, one of the questions that we received along with this was, how do I use the Bible to make sense of like, the issues in our day? How do we use the Bible to make sense of, of the topics, the hot topics that are happening all around us? My answer is this, keep the glasses on. So when you read the Bible, whatever that looks like in your life, if it's reading the Bible in the morning or reading the Bible in a group, uh, when you close the Bible and set the Bible down, don't take the glasses off. Keep the glasses on and look at the world through what God is doing through Jesus. This is what the Bible wants to do as it invites you into the story, is to now see that story playing out all around you. And so when you're faced with a tough decision about an issue or a controversy or a decision in your life, the question is, how is this story of God renewing all things through Jesus, how does that change how I view this? How does that change how I act in this moment? If this story is true, then how do I see it through Jesus? You see, I think most of our ish challenges with the issues of our day is because we're starting from someplace other than Jesus. We're starting from our opinions or our experiences. We're starting from our, our perspectives or our political party or even our constitutional rights. We're starting in some place other than Jesus. But if we were to start with Jesus and say, if this is the center, 
If this is the story, then how do I look at these issues? How do I look at this decision if this story is true? You see, I heard someone refer to it uh, this way once. It's kind of like we're invited to improv, to improv. Improv is where you're invited up on stage and there's no script, right, which sounds scary for you introverts. Uh, but uh, improv is stepping up into a story that's already happening. And so the Bible is inviting us to enter into this story and to improvise in this story right now. Act 1 has already been written, the Old Testament. And so we can read the story and the script that God has already been writing in Act, chapter, in Act 1. In Act 2, God has acted through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection. We're in Act 3. There's no script in Act 3. But our job is to play in this, in this story, to act in this story in a way that's faithful to the story that's already been written. And so we can go back and read the story so far. Read how people have acted in Act chapter 1, understand what God has done in Act chapter 2, and then live in this story in Act chapter 3 by knowing the story, by reading the story, and by meditating on the story. This is how we live in faith in our world today understanding the story and living faithfully in it. And if you get stuck, here's the thing, you don't have to figure this out on your own. That's why we exist in community. That's why we have groups that center on the Bible, so that we can understand the story and what it means for us today. And if we get stuck as a community, there's 2,000 years of people who have been trying to make sense of this story as well, and so we can go back and say, what did they do, and how can we learn from them? See, this story that the Bible is telling is still ongoing. God is still working to renew all things through Jesus. That story is coming to you if you do not yet know who Jesus is. And that is the story that we are a part of as a community when we see who Jesus really is. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to ground ourselves in that story, to remind ourselves that that's the story that we are a part of. Because this is why every week we take communion. It may seem weird to take communion every week. You might think, man, this is really getting old. This wafer really tastes stale every single week. You might be thinking, why do we do this every week? Because we need to center ourselves in this story, to ground ourselves in this story. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to respond in worship uh, to the call to center on Jesus. And if you're here and you would say, this story is now my story. God is renewing all things through Jesus, and I am part of that story. We invite you to participate in communion. There's elements in the back if you didn't pick them up. Uh, there's a wafer representing Jesus' body. There's a cup representing his blood. And this is us grounding us in this story. Say, this is what God is doing through Jesus. If you're here and you're not sure if you're a Christian, maybe you're still considering Christianity, uh, I want you to respond by asking a follow-up question at the end of this morning. I want to be available. We want to help you figure out what it means to know God through Jesus. That's why we're here. And that's the story that we're a part of. So let me pray for us, and then let's respond in this story by taking communion. God, you have been telling the story for generations, and we are just simply a part of it. And so as we consider your word, consider what it means to understand the Bible, there are some things that are hard to understand. Even uh, following you for years and being part of a church for years, there are still things that are hard to understand. But one thing is clear, that you are renewing all things through Jesus. So God, as we consider your word and what it means to uh, treat this as an authority, what it means that this is uh, your word for us, God, would you help us to center in this story and to center in who Jesus is and to live as if what he said actually means something, to live as if he actually meant what he said. 
and in doing so to live in this story right here in Goodyear Heights and Akron and Talmadge and in all the surrounding neighborhoods so that this story might come to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our homes, so that you might be doing a work here. Now as we respond in communion, God, would you use this to ground us in this story? To remind us that this is what you're doing and you're inviting us into it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.